Hey, Secrets of Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, maybe a a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code, seriously, like a real-life cheat code, and then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merrick Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite change and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix. A Master Plan for Black Group Economics with Wealth Creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr. Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity This isn't just a book, it's a movement, a call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear, drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey 
Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix, today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Well, folks, Antonio T. Smith Jr. is doing it again. He's done it again. Yes, he has. Giving away so much knowledge just to help you succeed. Walk out of the middle class. Become a multimillionaire. He is giving away his book just for you. The name of that book, The Richest Man in the Trash Can. You want to make sure you get this book. Here's why. If you are someone who is tired, frustrated, irritated of the day-to-day schedule of waking up, going to work, going back home, going to sleep just to do it all over again, not being able to spend time with your family, you just got married, you just had kids, or you take care of your parents and you're not there to do it, this is the book for you. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, this book is free 99 yes you heard me free 99 (laughs) all you want for free yes free 99 all you have to do is just pay shipping and handling that's it nine dollars and 95 cents just to get your free book this book is a life changer i'm trying to tell you guys everything in this book is what antonio taught myself in grace that enabled us to retire yes we are retired and we haven't even hit our 40s yet I'm just saying. I got a few months to go. Don't worry about it. Shh. Don't nobody need to know that, girl. (laughs) You don't look it. That's it. Go get it. Go get it and walk yourself out of the middle class into the life you deserve. Walk yourself into abundance. Abundance is freedom and this book is your journey out. You can plant better. You can dominate. Pre-foreclosures, short sales, lot of information. Maurice, we're going to be here for a minute. There's no way, Kiara, we're doing this because you asked. There's no way that it is possible for us to cover this in an hour. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start off real quick, Maurice, and give you a lot of ammo. I'm, I, you can, by the time you finish me, by the time you hear what I got to say, you can tell that I was thinking about you as a broker. I'm literally going to give you a lot of ammo. Okay. Let's start off with the basics. What is a foreclosure? And it's simple and it's simplicity. It's when a homeowner is not able to meet their obligation to the bank. Simple as that. Don't that, that all that I ain't even looked that up. Like, that's just what it is. I can't meet my obligation to the bank, period, point blank. That's a foreclosure. There's nothing else. Now, if you want to succeed in short sales. You really need to be data-driven, Kiara, and anybody who wants to do this. You need to have a lot of data on the property. You just do. You need to have a lot of data on the property. It's very important. And pre-foreclosure deals are very different than any other deal in real estate because you're dealing with people in the house right now. This, uh, uh, in my opinion, This is ministry. Anybody doing short sales, pre-foreclosed, pre, pre foreclosed, same thing. 
It's ministry, even if you're not, you know, part of that language. It, it, you're helping people, which leads me to tell you that if you have the wrong heart, you need to get out of short clothes as fast as possible. There may be super duper problems with the property. Why? Because a homeowner cannot maintain their obligation. You understand? They cannot maintain their obligation. And they're in the house, and the house may be going down out of character, or I just can't afford to cut the grass. I'm, I just lost my job. Wife got cancer or something like that, right? Or something, just whatever, right? This, there, there could be many problems with the house. It is an extremely unique opportunity if you are into helping homeowners. Let me deepen my voice for dramatic effect. If you cannot create a win-win situation, get out that deal. I want to say that on this recording and off this recording. If you get into a a pre-foreclosure and you just win and not that homeowner, you need to get out that deal. Period. That's inappropriate. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's see. You don't have to use your money in pre-foreclosures. It's always good to leverage someone else's. However, if you have money, that does help. That's that's, that's an alley-oop for for Maurice. He's going to love that part. Let's see. Some personal traits that I would say that you should have in pre-foreclosures, to be honest, have empathy. And pay good attention to detail, Kira. Very good attention to detail. Very good attention to detail. There's plenty of reasons why. And we're going to talk about it and break it down. The number one thing that I want to tell you from my standpoint, with my personality, is don't you get no pre-sale without an exit strategy. Do not sign a contract without having an exit strategy. Do not, under any circumstances, Get into a pre-sale. It's, it's a lot. And we're going to talk about all that here in a second. Without having an exit strategy. Do not do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. Do not get into a pre-sale. A pre-sale. Did I have a pre-sale the whole time? Do not get into a pre-foreclosure. Without, I mean, in a situation where you have negative cash flow. That is stupid. No negative cash flow. Everybody repeat after me. No negative cash flow. Do not do that. Do not, please. Okay? Adonia's dad is going to be very upset with you if you can't sit in your office and count your money. Okay? (laughs) You have to be able, you must have positive cash flow in a deal. Risk. Simple. Education and planning reduces risk. Maurice is going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, the first thing you want to do is you want to get into a, you want to get a real estate attorney. I would not do three foreclosures with a real estate attorney. You want to go to them first, spend $500 to stay out of trouble. $500. H-U-N-N-I-D. $500 to stay out of trouble. 
Get them to write your disclosures and all that stuff that you're going to need. You know why? Because if you don't do that, then the check you will be writing is $20,000 for a retainer. Now, that lawyer has no problem with you paying $20,000. Does your wife want you paying $20,000 or your husband or whatever, or your, your legacy? It's far better to pay $500 to stay out of trouble than $20,000 to get out of trouble. I hope I, I hope I reach someone with that one. I'm trying to trying to reach somebody with that one. Please. Please, 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 please. All right. I'm going to share this link with you, but before I do, and I am almost done, Maurice. I'm doing all this. I'm getting all this stuff. I anticipate a bunch of questions coming up because I wanna we need to talk and I didn't want to have all these questions coming up. Well, not these questions. We can avoid these. Let's see. Now, with all that being said, I still ain't taught you nothing. If you think I did, then that's cool. Appreciate you, but I really didn't. Now I'm going to teach you something. There is a difference between a mortgage state and a deed of trust. A, or just please. Listen to me, y'all. West Coast tends to have deed of trust. Texas is deed of trust. I'm going to show I'm going to see this link. I'm going to put it in the thing. I just literally, I don't even know this company, but they list as accurate. A mortgage state, I'm explaining. Well, actually, I think they're explaining right here. Anyway, I'm explaining mortgage versus deed of trust. In layman's terms, so forget what they're talking about. When someone finances a home, a lender secures a loan, and I get bored reading. The lender, I'm just bored. Okay, main purpose of security instrument, I'm just bored. So we'll, don't worry about it. I'm gonna put that in layman's terms. Okay, I'm gonna put that in layman's terms. Some states have both. Some states, where's Texas? Texas, of course, Texas is a deed of trust state because it's Texas. It's Texas, for God's sake. If anything, that's where I'm at. When y'all hear of crazy news in the media, global news, you go, it's out of Texas and Florida. So don't, don't fool me now. I know y'all be talking about us globally. Because we be doing some crazy stuff. We just had a whole... Anyway, I don't want to... Just two people died. If some, if there's some national news, first two, this is out of Texas or Florida. We crazy, and we got some, we got some, we got some freedom that makes us crazy. What about Missouri? I sent you the link so you can go look up for yourself, but I will push that back up so we can answer the question. What about Missouri? And as soon as I answer the Missouri question, I will then explain the difference. And then Maurice is going to have a lot of fun. You see, you see any of the alley-oops, man? I'm, I'm throwing you. I'm throwing you some alley-oops while I did the wrong one. I see him. Yeah. <laughs> Throw you these alley-oops, man. These, these are alley-oops. All right. Let me see your screen real quick. Make sure I got the right one up. Yeah. 
Okay, good. Let's answer Missouri. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Missouri is a deed of trust. Okay. You explain what deed of trust is? Yes, I am. Gonna do it right now. Uh, here we go. In simple, well, let, let me let me not try to be too simple. If you have a judicial process, then you are in a mortgage state. Who knows? Who knows what judicial is? What are the three forms of government? Who remembers? Legislative, judicial, executive. Executive. All right, there we go. So judicial is courts. Courts. Legislative is law. Judicial is courts. Executive is, let's just say police, but it's more than that. But we're just going to say that just for easy terms. If you have a judicial process, the judge will then set your foreclosure date based on your story. This means if you're in a mortgage state and Adonia says, oh, judge, I'm sorry. I'm going to say, Adonia, tell me what's going on. And she's going to say, well, you know, my cat got sick and the medicine was $50,000. Wow. It's incredible. What happened? Well, I had to get these heels and they was $50,000. Wow. Okay, I get it. And then I lost my job. I understand. I understand. Well, Adonia, it is January 28th, and you seem like an honest person. We're going to put your foreclosure May 1st. Let's go with, let's go with, let's go with June. Based on what the details you're giving me and ability for you to get some earnings back, we're going to do about June 1st, okay? Okay. Good. Well, Yana, Yana, June, and my job is a little seasoned down. Okay, okay, June. How's August? I'll take that, Yana. I'll take that. Okay, there you go. Good job. Uh, talk to my assistant. She'll do the paperwork, you know, paperwork. Next docket, just like that. That's pretty much it. So if you're in a mortgage state, you get to have some Say so <laughs> in your foreclosure in a judicial process. But if you're in Texas or Missouri <laughs> or any other of these places, it's a deed of trust. That meant when you signed those papers in the first place, your foreclosure process was in the writing. <laughs> Ain't no judicial. It ain't no understanding. No, no. We know you got about 90 days, and then the constable's coming to put you out of there. We know this. And in the deed of trust state, there's no judicial system. It's in your agreement, and the bank prefers, this is the important part. Maurice, I'm coming to you in seconds. The bank prefers deed of trust. Why? Because in a judicial process, you costing me money. Now I got to go get a lawyer. I got to pay these taxes longer. I can't, I can't send it to foreclosure auction. 
I can't get my money back or at least portion of my money back. It cost me too much money. But good old Texas said, it's just, I'll tell you, Texas is crazy. Good old Texas said, oh, Banks, we got you. We're going to put it in there. I don't even worry about that. You know when you get your money because the moment you decide to call on this clause, then the countdown date starts from there. Maurice, I'm done for right now. I threw you so yeah. many alleys. Oh, as long yeah. as you want. <laughs> got you, got you. Man, that, that was, you know, Texas is in, in those states that are like that are tough when it comes to that, Roy. So, um, um, so I wanted to go back to one of the points you mentioned about the, um, you know, the judicial state, especially when it comes to foreclosure and um, short sales and pre-foreclosure, you know, that created a whole another industry in itself. Um, and I teach a class on, well, on property preservation because there's a market, you know, in certain states that aren't, that, are, that won't be in Texas in those other states because there's not a need for property preservation. So there's a whole, because that money you talked about that saves, that, that the bank get to save, um, they got to pay somebody to maintain that property through the process. That's why when you, when a short sale happens and uh, it looks, it looks, it looks, they, uh, it's put on your credit different than um, a regular foreclosure because you're assisting in the bank you're cooperating with the bank and helping them to make that process a lot smoother for them, for 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 it to happen. So if you're doing a um, um, foreclosure or a deed in lieu, they'll call it. You know, um, you get a bank back the property. Give it's like you just give them the keys back to you. And I can't take it no more. I can't do no more. They take the keys. So those are some of the options that that um, that come up, and the bank looks favorable on you in a little bit of a way. Often, sometimes we're giving you as much as $12,000. At one, one particular transaction that happened that the bank was offering them, um, bank was offering them $12,000 to move as cash for keys. They took the cash for keys and moved out and used that cash for keys and put it as a down payment and bought the house, you know, um, and turned it into a win-win situation for them. So, um, sometimes so they'll be even willing to give now now three thousand dollars is probably like the rule of thumb they'll give you the gift you know give you money back but i just wanted to go back to the beginning of what um antonio mentioned about the win-win situation right if all those things are all those components are in place as far as making sure that the deal is a win-win for everybody and that integrity is part of the transaction then um there is a lot of there is opportunities for a person and to go into it and you can use other leverage other people's money or leverage the equity in the property there's a there's and one of those ways um would be um if that individual can no longer afford it and you know you have because like you said it's a ministry and every one of those transactions is a story behind it you know every time you go in and then you sit down with that couple and you can tell it's tension is there's a it's a Every single time, you know, whether you, you know, on the counseling side to help them to stay in the house, or you're gonna, if it, if, if the uh, resolution has to come to where they have to dissolve the property, and 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 and, and it's sold and you sell it, then, um, <clears throat> um, but you find that there's a story there, you know, there's something there that 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 happened, like you said, a death or um, breakdown, loss of a job, and, you know, 
this 2008 crisis and you talk about we talked about generational wealth and one of the most important reasons that you know this information is so important is you know it's because um a lot of that was lost in that 2008 crisis and it starts with real estate generational wealth begins with purchasing real estate and buying it not to so much as to buy a house and live in it <clears throat> but to buy it and use use real estate as a means to generate income and to make other income and make more income. Um, there are statistics, st stats out there right now that says that, you know, generational wealth for black Americans by 2050 will be gone if something doesn't change and something doesn't happen. So um, the way to do it is through real estate. So I wanted to, you know, mainly one of the, the um, mention of the judicial state, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, our judicial states and they, you know, you can actually go to court. And I've had sent people in court the day of court and talk to the judge. And like you said, it's just like that. On, on that order, uh, the judge will give them leniency. There was one case where the judge had sold it. They had, they had sold. And Pennsylvania don't have a redemption period. New Jersey, you have a 10-day redemption period. Some of the states even go so far as to give you, once it's sold, then you still have another 10 days to come up with the money. If you happen to hit the lottery within the 10 days after your property sold in the state of New Jersey, you can come back to the bank and say, I want my property back. Here's your money. <clears throat> and they have to give it back to you. That's in New Jersey. So um, this particular case was in Pennsylvania. Her house was sold. It was um, um, a co-worker of mine that worked. And then they came to me at the 11th hour and said, you know, I need some help. But it was way after the house was sold. I'm like, right. So in they, they said, well, I, I did get the judge to be able to give me, he, he gave me some time, borrowed some time. So I was able to get them into a loan. They got a loan, the loan drug out for probably three months. And the, but the judge was lenient because they had a loan on the table, something to work with. So I, just, just really to kind of um, bring home, drive home that point of a judicial state, the difference, but in the uh, non-judicial states, it ain't happening. It's about the money. And it's written in that in that contract in the beginning, as you said, you know, that if you time to foreclose on your on that property, we're going to make sure you get that property. And it's similar to you ever hear people say that, you know, uh, the, the courts are landlord friendly and then they're tenant friendly landlords. You know, if as a property owner, you know, you want to know that, especially that's something you want to do in your due diligence when you buying property. Is this a, a landlord friendly state or is it a tenant friendly state? You know, is, is the judge going to work in my favor? And, you know, uh, you, you know, most Kate, most of them, you know, um, on this side of the, the coast is definitely landlord uh, tenant friendly, you know, um, except for commercial. They a little, they don't give you, you know, if it's commercial, you know, it's a little bit different. But mo for the most part, residential um, um, is, uh, you know, really landlord tenant, landlord is tenant friendly. <clears throat> so the data driven portion of so for pre-foreclosure um if you find a property that's in pre-foreclosure and it's um that's actually a business you know it's a it's a business that 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 someone can do and not even using your own money to do it however the art of it would be making sure that it's a win-win situation for everybody because if you go into a situation you find someone that they may be losing the home and you know I just use for the sake of words, the divorce is happening and it's the separation. It's, it's ending. It's over. That house is no longer. It has to go and it's going to go. And you come into the equation and you know the process of what 
you know, of what of what it's going to take. You may have a hard money loan backing you up. Um, you may have your own money backing you up. You may go into the transaction and say, look, you know, there's enough equity in this. Put me on the deed. My credit is good enough and I'll refinance it. And at the end of the transaction, I'll pay you um, X amount of dollars for it. You know, there's enough equity in it. So that's one way to answer that question because the burning question that I'm always thinking about is the one that says, you know, how do you do this with no money, you know, and how do you come up with ways that um, to do this with no money down, not using your own money, you know, and leveraging someone else's money. And that's one of the ways to do it. Um, the, 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 the component to that, though, is what Antonio said earlier, is having that integrity in the beginning of it, of making sure that you're going into the deal and your intention is for it to be a win-win. The problem comes when, when it's just me winning or I'm just coming in it to take advantage of the transaction because I know you need it, you know, and you're in a bad spot. Um, you know, there's always a good way to do business, you know, and a clean way to do business, you know, and to, be, to do business. Um, so, you know, and it is in also, you know, can't, I can't stress enough the importance of information and being data driven and making sure that you find out and know as much about that property, the location and the area that you're going to go into before going into it. You know, um, Antonio mentioned having that lawyer draft up your own contracts that are, that protect you. There's, that is 1000%, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good thing for the real estate agent. It ain't good for the agent or the other people on the other side. A lot of times the bank won't even use your, use your, allow you to use your attorney. Uh, I mean, your own, your own drafted contract, but you're protecting yourself, you know? So, um, and it's definitely important to do that and have an attorney. And you want to get an attorney, uh, 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 make sure he's a real estate attorney on your side that specializes in real estate. You know, all attorneys can do it, but you want a, one, a specific, uh, real estate-specific attorney. I'm telling you, I can't say that enough. Nope, not the attorney that did your lawsuit case because he was cool. He was, you know, he, he you know, he, um, you, you, you know, y'all work well together. All of that, I mean, throw it out the window. I'm telling you, I can't stress it enough. You want someone that does real estate as an attorney to be involved in that transaction because there's, especially with, especially there's tax laws, real estate laws, there's a lot of things that's constantly changing. And real estate is fluid and it's constantly ever changing. You know, it's always changing. So it's, um, um, it changes, it, it runs in cycles. You'll see five and 10, 15, 20 year cycles. You'll see things come around. Um, we are up against something, about to see something soon. I don't know what that is. But we are, you know, definitely want to be preparing ourselves for that. And if um, pre-foreclosures is a great way to do that, do your due diligence and finding out for your state and for your particular area, you know, what, um, what works. You want to find out, um, you know, um, the process, uh, how if, you know, um, how to get these people. There's lists that you can get. Um, of individuals. See, so I started a property preservation business, right, to go along with property management, my property management business. Why? Because it was to keep my maintenance people busy. Because, and then what I realized was that there is companies out there that they get inspections, lists of inspections of pre-foreclosure properties, pre-foreclosed properties. And they have, you can get on that list as, and, and have the list of properties that you, these people are in, imminent to be going into foreclosure. And these usually are people that have missed at least three payments. 
or something that, and they send, you know, you'll go to that property to inspect that property to um, find out if someone's still staying there, if somebody's still in the property. And they don't pay much for the inspection, but don't you think that's a good list or a good lead if that individual um, is going to eventually go into foreclosure and it keeps you from having to drive by and, you know, um, guess at it? That's a hot list because at least if nothing more, you know that that person's on the list. So um, what that would be, you know, a way to do that is that list could turn into a whole nother list or a letter that could go out to those people. You know, if you're in trouble, hey, you know, you're in trouble, you're interested in selling your home or those, you know, that list can turn into a, um, a list of individuals that are um, warm, you know, um, turn those cold calls into warm, make them a little bit warmer. You know, um, that's just one of the ways and it's, you know, through the property preservation <clears throat> and inspections. Um, and there's um, a lot have changed in the industry. It used to be a time when you used to be able to go into any bank and say, hey, I'm a real estate professional, I'm a real estate broker in your area. Hey, can I see your REO list, real estate owned? your bank-owned properties, bank-owned properties that the bank would have. And you say, hey, I'm a real estate professional. I have buyers that's interested in buying these properties, you know, um, and get a discount on it. Now the banks, now they've gotten so big and there's, you know, the few is, the, it, it's not done that way anymore. They, it's farmed out to asset management companies or third parties, right? And whether or not, then you have to get, get, in, get with the third party company and they'll, they farm it out, but when they do it, it's in in volume, you know, um, and it's done on the regional, regional, regional levels. Now, I'm just going to go diverse, digress to um, how that works when it comes to government loans and how that works when it comes to private loans. So the way that works with HUD, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mae is HUD and, and, and Fannie Mae and the government-backed loans usually use different systems. Now, HUD system is they have, the loan will come back to HUD. They hire a, a broad listing broker. And that broker will be the listing agent that is responsible for doing all those things in between, the maintaining of the property and, um, you know, the property preservation and all that stuff and making sure that the property is preserved before it gets back to the uh, market. Um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mae does the same thing. But the, the point for mentioning any of that is, is because it's a third party in between, an intermediary that is used They'll give that account. HUD's, come, HUD's, HUD's, account, HUD's account comes up every five years. And depending on the region you're in, it comes up every five years and they pass it out to a different asset management company. And then the, the private preservation part is also handled separately. And that comes up every five years as well. So, um, and I'm, I'm mentioning that is because those are the people you may want to contact and get in contact with at that it's the prop preservation person and it's the asset management company because they're going to be the go-to people that get the properties first. You know, they're going to be the ones that the bank, when it's, HUD, when it's government back loans that go bad, the people that get those properties first are going to be the, that property preservation company and that asset management company. Um, then when you get to the more of the private lenders, there's uh, people, people out there like <clears throat> um, Pyramid is one. Um, um, you have, um, uh, pyramid, then you have, um, uh, I, I, I can get, I'll make sure I, I'll put, I'll get you accurate names of 
asset management company that, you know, you can reach out to, to get, because, and I'm really just trying to take you to the source of it. So, cause you could, because a lot of times, a lot of times a person will drive by a property and you'll see, oh, that property's vacant. It's been vacant for a while, or it may be right next to you. And you'll be like, this gotta be going somewhere and it's ready to, it's ready to, um, um, something gotta be going on with it. And, and you get those calls all the time. And it's like, hey, this property building market been, been vacant for a long time on my block. And I, I wanna know about it. And those calls you get, and you just don't know where it is in the process, you know? Cause it could be a property that it could be that is paid for. You know, it's a lot that, you know, so you don't know where that property is in, in the phase of it. So one of the best things, if you're interested in buying a property is when someone comes out there and they come out there to do the inspection and they stick a sticker on the window, look at the sticker, get the number off the sticker and find out, you know, that information. Um, um, majority of the time when it has gotten to that point, usually it's probably, um, almost or, or, or very close to going to be ready to be put on the market um, via a real estate company, right? However, I have seen that more of the private lending and private lending um, properties, um, they will tend to sell those properties in bulk, you know, and they'll do bulk sales for some of those assets, you know, make it possible for you to buy them in bulk, you know, um, and you can buy those properties in bulk and maybe get some do some group group economics and buy a bulk of the about bulk of a group of 10 15 20 properties and then they'll sell them less for less for less um less than what what's old on it um you know you're finding that that's why there's a shift in this market in this industry you know you have to get to a place of becoming more free more free more um being more free and uh detaching from the system so to speak of how the normal way of things are done <clears throat> as it relates to real estate um, and really uh, embracing the technology, you know, and embracing the differences and the changes that's happening as it relates to real estate, because there's a lot of things and it's constantly changing. And if nothing else, except that um, if nothing else you can count on is that change is definitely inevitable. Something's going to change. Um, you know, people driven, for sure, um, you know, when you're dealing with pre-foreclosures and short sales, you have to consider that human brick, that, hu that people are involved in the transaction, and that's the most important part. It, will make, it can make the difference whether your deal's gonna go smooth or you're gonna have, you know, bumps all through the process of it because the bank, and, and like you said, because in a judicial state or in any state, the homeowner owns that property until they don't own that property. And then in states like New Jersey, even 10 days after. So some states will even have a redemption period that even 10 days after the sheriff sale or the sale go, you still have, have you, can, you, you can access that property and, 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 get that, and still get your property back. So with that being said, you know, the mere fact that you can go and um, you, you have leverage that, you can utilize that leverage. And when you're dealing with that person, a lot of times people go into, go into the transactions and say, oh, you ain't paid the mortgage in nine months. You don't own the property. And they'll take that attitude towards the owner or the, the, the occupants of the property. You know, I've seen tenants that may stop paying the rent because they see foreclosure notes come to the, build, come to the property. So foreclosure notices come to the property, that, that homeowner can still take you to court, you know, and evict you, have you evicted, you know, um, because they own the property until they don't own it. 
So <clears throat> it's very important to have that person as an ally, you know, and, and the owner be an ally to you through the process because at this point, the bank only is involved because they, you know, um, they, because they, uh, they have to make a decision on whether or not, they're just making sure that they're not taking a loss, you know, as much. And it seems like a short to them and it's a short sell and it says that because of it. But best believe the bank made their money early on. That's why when you buy your mortgage, 90% of the um, in money you pay in the beginning years of the mortgage goes towards interest. So if you take a $100,000 loan out and you're paying $665 a month for your mortgage payment, $664.18 is interest. And the rest of it goes towards principal. So if you paid the 10 years into it, guess what the bank made? Plus your down payment, plus you know the money that, plus they only lent you um, 80% of it, 90% of the, the value. So they're not losing because when they sell the property, they've already protected themselves and insulated themselves by making sure that, that, that they have an exit strategy, always. The bank always has an exit strategy. And that's the mindset that we have to be put in, always have an exit strategy and make sure that your exit strategy, if you have to walk away from this transaction today, that you're not gonna um, lose. And there's no, uh, no deals that have anything, um, as Antonio said, um, any negative equity in it. If there's not a positive cash flow <clears throat> for you and whatever your number is, and every investor has a different number. If your number is, I wanna see a positive $400 a month, in, in properties that you know I buy. If I buy a 10, 20, 30 unit property, um, let's just use the number, you know, I want to see, you know, whatever that number is, your number is as an investor, because some investors may say, I'm going to do one property a year if I'm going to start out. I'll do one one a year and grow to four a year, you know, one a quarter. So my first one that I do, I may say that if I don't see four hundred dollars positive cash flow monthly, then it's not a good deal for me. And that's not a bad rule of thumb. But it just requires that it's more work involved and you have to do more due diligence. But you want to see that, you know, I'm netting a positive cash flow of $400 a month. And if I'm netting $400 positive, um, um, positive, $400 positive cash flow a month, that's after my expenses, you know, after I pay, um, you know, all of my expenses, the utilities, and if there's any utilities. And, you know, smart, uh, smart investors will really want to make sure that the utilities are separate in most cases. You don't want to pay utilities if you don't have to. You know, um, if you want separate units that have it separate because um, when you do, and when you're doing your numbers, and this is why you want someone that does investment properties looking over your numbers and looking at it, because they're going to know a true net number versus one that's really not, that's fluff. Because they, your number could be $400, but if there's utilities is not calculated in that $400, then that ain't $400, you know, monthly, you know, positive, a positive. So, um, and during the pre-foreclosure, you know, there's ways, if there's a property, property that's perfectly legal um, for you to write up a contract that says, you know, that, um, you know, that you plan to buy this property from someone that may or may not be able to afford it. And after you've done your due diligence, they can, you know, um, add you to the, to the contract. And it's been done it's nothing new on the sun. It's been done years ago. You know, it's been always, it's been done. It comes back, you know, um, in different ways. It's like barbers, you know, barbers and barbers, you know, barbers 
You know, it's like, you know, there's no new style haircuts. It's just changing the name change. You know, it changed the name. You know, back, you know, um, you know, a, a Brooklyn is a temper fade, you know, and it changed and now they call it a blowout. You know, it's different names as you know, different places have different names. And the same thing with real estate is it doesn't change, you know, things they it as much as things change, they remain the same, you know. And um so now it took me a while to realize what people were calling wholesale was nothing more than that process of what we would call back, you know, um, 10, 20 years ago would be an assumption of a mortgage or, you know, where a person would come in and, hey, I see you have, you know, you're having trouble paying your mortgage or you have trouble paying your taxes. Um, I, 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 can, um, I can buy your house and pay you X amount of dollars. However, I need you to put me on the deed. And I'm going to refinance it and refine and pay you off after the transaction. You know, that's one way. It's an assumption of it. So what? guess what that person will do? Instead of him doing it, he'll get on a deed, get you in contract, and then go find an end buyer. And then he caught, and so he's now a wholesaler because he uh, he's done the work, the footwork, to find the properties that, you know, fit that criteria and um, has enough equity in it. And then the person, um, you know, he already have his end user set up or end buyer uh, purchaser set up. And then he, you know, works as the broker or the middle person, you know, and he set that up in, you know, whatever the process, profit is that he's going to make off of it. And he makes it and he has, you know, a group of investors and that investor could be. So that's one of the ways that, um, <clears throat> um, that I could speak to, you know, using no money down for that, um, the judicial versus non-judicial state um, process is um, definitely makes a difference in how that is done, um, you know, in Atlanta and, you know, the states like Texas, and I believe maybe Florida might be one also, but the states where you, where you go and um, where it's a process of, you know, it's not, you ain't going in court and they're not really, they're not really concerned about why the mortgage ain't paid. They just, you know, it's this date it's going to sell it's the date the sale date is going to happen and this property is going back to the owner's hand whether you you have the money or not however in those states there's other other things and other ways that come out of it um <clears throat> you know other ways that that could be done um so win-win and the um make sure you have an exit strategy and if all of those points are covered, I think um, as far as, um, you know, pre-purchase, I mean, pre-foreclosure properties, those are definitely a good, a very good source to, especially now, because there's not a lot of inventory that's even hitting the market. <clears throat> I'm, um, I'm finding, you know, that, and as I talk to other brokers, they're finding the same thing, that, you know, the inventory is not there. They have a lot of talk of the shadow inventory that's supposed to be coming to the market. <laughs> but what's happening is not, is not coming to the market because there is, um, you know, there's um, um, investors that's buying the property in the real estate up and, um, you know, buying it in bulk and making it um, available for tenants. So there's no reason that, you know, that's not something that we could do, you know, and any one of us on this phone could do. And, 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 and tapping into those properties via the, uh, those markets and getting to the root of where 
you know, which is property preservation, the inspectors that come out to those properties, the asset management companies, and the banks themselves is probably the best source to go get them and get them from the root. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because you'll get individuals that'll try to sell you a list and they'll sell you information and they're all, they're in the business of subscriptions. You know what I mean? So this, um, you know, um, and they'll use tags like HUD right in their, in their email tag address. And you think you're going to the HUD website and it's phishing, right? <clears throat> and you're not even, and they, you know, you'll be done paid six months of subscriptions before you found out. And they do that over a number. It's a numbers game, you know? So, you know, I'm kind of, I want to make sure that you, you know, know to go to the source and get right to the root, you know, to where it's coming from. So you don't, because, you know, don't get caught up in that and, 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 and waste your money, you know, in the subscription um, things, because that definitely is something that's common, <clears throat> um, selling you lists. Um, and in the information age right now, I mean, you know, Zillow and some of these other people, Redfin and um, uh, who else? Redfin, Zillow, get the other one. There's quite a few out there that is really dominating the market in taking information from the multiple listing service and making it available to the public, which is great. You know, it's shrinking it and making it possible, getting information to individuals so you can do your own due diligence. Man, I've, I, you know, I, I love the informed buyer, the buyer that knows what he wants. Not that it's, um, that is because it, it, not only because it makes the job easier, but that you, you, that person knows what they want. And they've done their due diligence and went to the, um, you know, done their homework on the property. And I'm only saying that is because most people, a lot of times people come to you with more with information already. They've already seen the property online. They went through it. The downside to that is though people come to you and they tell you, you know, they argue you down that, hey, if Zillow said it or if one of these other search engines said it, then it must be true. So you're, you're, you're battling backwards to go back to letting them know, you know, to remind them that you, you know, that you're the source of the information and you're the professional. And that, that information may or may not necessarily be valid. Um, but I'm just saying go to the source and um, uh, always you can go to whatever your tax records is and get that information is public, public knowledge. So a place to start, if in, if in fact you're going to do that route, go right to your tax office, assessor's office. You can walk in there and get that information. It's public information. That's exactly what you pay a, um, you pay a, 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 a title searcher to do for you. They walk in there and they go and sit on that, inf on that computer and they pull the information in the tax records for this property and they go back 69 years, 79 years, um, um, you know, back to the last time that property was sold to the back, they call it the chain of title, back down the chain of title. And they ensure that title for you to make sure that you're getting a property free and clear and with no encumbrances or no liens, you know, or no debt on it. So when you buy it, nobody's gonna come back and say, hey, uh, my wife sold that house, you know, while I was away. And, and I was in a coma and I woke up and my house is gone. And I want my 50%. She sold it without me knowing. And that's what your title policy does. So just like the title company can go into the tax, your tax assessor's office, you can do the same thing. You can walk right into the office and, um, you know, get that public information on that property. It's just as much as it's public information. Um, so I would just recommend starting there because that information is going to be, primary information. It's going to be not secondary. It's not going to be stuff, something that someone else has given you. It's going to be information right from the, right from the source. So if there's a property that you're looking at, the best place to start is at your town in that city. 
in that town, um, that city hall, and ask some information about that property. And then you find and do your due diligence and, you know, get with someone. You know, the team is going to be an attorney. You're going to want to have a title searcher on your team. You're going to want to have the attorney that is a real estate attorney, a title searcher that has done, you know, has experience in all types of titles, government loans, um, HUD properties, you know, all title companies are not created equal either. Just like not all brokers are real estate attorneys and attorneys are not created equal. So, you know, you want to make sure that that person has done that or have experience in that specific task that you're doing. You know, you're going to go to Dunkin' Donuts to get oil changed, you know? So you want, you know, you want, <laughs> you, you want to, you, you want someone that specializes in that, in that field of what they, they're doing. So it's important to make sure that that attorney is, uh, and, the, and the, the real estate agent preferably has investment properties or <clears throat> at least have sold some, you know, and know, and it's not going to bring you a transaction and call it a deal when it's negative. There's no negative, it's, it's negative, uh, it's negative cash flowing monthly, you know, and it, you're selling on you that, you know, you got one of the units in the property. So that's, um, that's a deal. No, there's enough deals out here that are real deals that you really can, you know, can really get a hold of. I can't stress the importance of ownership, land ownership, owning land, owning real estate enough, buying it, using real estate and leveraging it to build generational wealth and buying the deals, keep the good ones and flip the other ones and sell, you know, so there's still a market for it. And there's a lot of money that's loosened up. You know, group economics is one way to pull, put money together. Um, you know, um, I was in New York and I had just this story. I was watching a guy and, you know, you pump your own gas in New York and a guy was there panhandling and he was, he was like, you got a couple bucks, I'll pump the gas for you. So instead of him, you know, he wasn't bumming, at least he was offering a service for the couple bucks he was asking. So I was watching in my rearview mirror as I was getting my gas and, um, I watched another gentleman come out and he said to him, he was like, you know, look, man, there's money all on the floor. There's a dime here, there's a quarter, there's pennies here, there's money here. He's like, you know, pick up that change. Why don't you pick up that spare change? And immediately I thought, I'm saying, wow, you know, what came to me is that there's opportunities right here in front of you and ways to make money. And, you know, he was looking and he missed the coins that was down right on, right there in front of him. So, when, you know, when, and it just dawned on me, I'm like, wow, you know, there's really opportunities in, 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 right in our laps, you know, and right there in front of you, but only if you, you know, if you knew, if you know it's there, and know how to get it. <clears throat> um, and, um, you know, I'm just eager to, and, and open to be willing to uh, assist and offer what I know, and I'm definitely appreciative for the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, even um, share with what it is, as I forget how you said it, is being uh, steward over little to be, you said, how did you say that earlier, Antonio, about, you know, be willing to give and to be able to, to help little so that you, you know, and help, help a few so that, you know, you may, maybe, maybe able to help more, but <clears throat> I'm just grateful to be able to do that. But, um, that is, um, you know, that uh, you did it. You actually said what I was going to say at the end about telling them how to get it. So you, you covered it. You, yeah. Yeah. You covered it. That's why I threw you all those alley-oops. Next week, we'll come back because this is just the basics. We haven't even, we, we can't, we can't cover pre, pre-foreclosures in hours. It's, that's disrespectful. That's, 
that's quite inappropriate. So we won't we won't <laughs> do that. But yeah, man, I don't have anything because what I actually was posting links trying to match what you were saying. So if you mm-hmm. look in the links, ladies and gentlemen, you'll see what he was saying and about, about finding foreclosures, even the uh, the pre foreclosures, even the the text going to the courthouse or something like that. Even that's in there on one of those links. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, you got something else, man? No, sir. All right. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate. Thank you, everyone. We will see you for the Bureau of Dominant Speakers tonight and Let's Talk Tuesday. All right, everybody. Love you. Appreciate you. And let's have a good one. You should really be famous for every tear you've ever cried, for everything that's ever happened to you, for all the abuse you've ever been through, for the divorce you've ever been through. You should absolutely be famous for that. Yeah, that's how I think. As a matter of fact, that's how most of us great motivational speakers or platform speakers, we are. I speak over 400 times a year. I command over $40,000 a keynote. $40,000 a keynote. I can make $30,000 in 30 minutes. All because my story was one of tragedy. And I've learned how to take it to one of great wealth. I want to teach you that. I want to give to you free, no risk, no charge, no credit card needed. Free 20 hours of how to get famous for telling your story. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plan better. You can dominate. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. Because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1% and they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now and they all wanna learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your favor. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires. Right now. So if you think becoming a billionaire is is impossible, that's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody to teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. 
If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy for what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you wanna go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk, how do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family? My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything. And somehow I'm in the top 1% today. Not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money, and now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do. I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy, I've homeschooled my own children, and I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy, famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me 
to actually, for me, to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is, I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents, and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network, and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned, everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless, and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, and you can kind of relate to this, it almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then you are gonna have a really hard time. Think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are gonna be watching this are gonna be baby boomers, and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable, and I'm gonna give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement, and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10 extra retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I want to send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom. And I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost. I'll take the loss. And all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better. You can dominate. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world not making money the pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire i came really close so the pandemic was a blessing it was hiring people and get this everybody i had 
48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions. $22 an hour. Paid training. And I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R E C R U. I T E R ziprecruiter.com slash B to B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash B to B. It's also in the show notes.